Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew in the 14th chapter. Right then, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When he sent them away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Evening came and he was alone. Meanwhile, in the boat, fighting a strong headwind, was, beating, was being battered by the waves and was already far away from land. Very early in the morning, he came to his disciples walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified and said, hey, It's a ghost! They were so frightened that they screamed. Just then, Jesus spoke to them, Be encouraged. It's me. Don't be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water toward Jesus. But then Peter saw the strong wind and became frightened. As he began to sing, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him, grabbed him saying, You man of weak faith, why did you begin to have doubts? When they got out into the boat, the wind settled down. Then those in the boat worshipped Jesus and said, You must be God's son. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. God, once again, just continue to pray. Use me as your instrument that everything I'm just about to say come from you and be for the edification of your church. Pour your Holy Spirit on us, inspire us, and guide us in this meditation. In your name we pray. Amen. So last week I had an uh, office event in my other life, so to speak, in my other work or my other uh, appointment. And uh, it was a, kind of a, all the staff came together, uh, and it was a time for getting to know each other better, time to um, see what is going on with our lives, but also what, is, what each other is working on something. So the Bishop Nunn, our bishop, uh, was moderating the whole event, and he had these dynamics, you know, these group dynamics kind of to break the ice and to get each other, to know each other better. So one of those dynamics was that we will gather in small little groups, and we will write in a piece of paper uh, two truths and one lie. Okay? Now, it's kind of shocking coming from a bishop to say a lie, but, you know, whatever. He's the bishop, so you do whatever he says. So anyway, uh, I, this, is, this is my list. I like Tex-Mex. I like technology. I like sci-fi. Now, see if you can spot what is my lie. Is that that simple? I mean, they spotted like that. Now, there's nothing wrong with Tex-Mex. Don't get me wrong. But coming from Mexico, I like the real thing, all right? So there's nothing wrong. It's a place for Tex-Mex. But uh, uh, I'm a big sci-fi person. I'm a big sci-fi guy. I'm a nerd. I'm a dork, yes. Uh, I I have a, yes, thank you. Thank you, Mike. uh, if you go to my house, I have a collection of Star Wars toys, and I was collecting them since I was four years old. 
Um, my wife called it the shrine. Uh, it's not a shrine, but you know, it's like kind of that. And, and I like all those sci-fi stuff. And I discovered one before I came here to the States, but uh, I discovered here fully here in the States. And it is The Lord of the Rings. Probably you have seen the movies. Probably you have read the books, uh, uh, you know, a long time ago. So I just discovered that I, am, I have watched all the movies, all the, you know, the extended editions and everything. And uh, I'm into the books now, trying to get into the books. So anyway, uh, in the second movie of uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, by the end of the movie, uh, there was a scene where Frodo, the guy who is carrying the, the ring, a power to be destroyed, uh, it's kind of his, his, uh, he is, uh, his energy, his, his whole, uh, you know, momentum is losing, right? He feels like there's no hope. Uh, um, the, uh, the power of the ring is coming into his soul. Uh, there is, they are attacking them from all, all sides. His strength is winding down. He says, you know, I'm giving up. And he's just about to give the ring to this monster type, like a dragon type of thing with a rider on top. And his very good friend, Samwise Gamgee, tackles him to the ground and takes him away. And they fight a little. And then after Frodo realizes what is happening, uh, Samwise says one of the most beautiful uh, monologues of, of the whole movies that I think. Uh, there's many great monologues. But one in particular that, uh, that Samwise says in that particular time, and I'm going to be paraphrasing. Basically, he says that, you know, that he's trying to give hope to Frodo. And he says, look, Mr. Frodo, uh, the, the, the stories that matter, the stories that stay with you for a long time in, in past time, are those stories who are full of darkness and full of twists and turns and full of, of, of these times where you're going to go down the, down the cliff. But at that time, it is when, at that dire moment, it is where you can overcome the, that darkness. And in those stories who are overcome, they are overcome darkness, are full of people who had every time, every chance to turn back around and go back home. He said, you know, this is too much. I'm going back home. But they didn't. They kept going and kept going, and they overcame that dire situation. And that is the stories that matter, he says. And I think that's beautiful. Well, today I want to tell you a story, a wonderful story of a man who had every chance to turn back around, and he never did. No matter what the situation was, he never did. And we can say that his story is one of those worth telling. Let me introduce you to Peter. You may say, well, Peter, I have known him. Well, let me just allow me to reintroduce you to him. So we found Peter the first time in chapter 4 in, in the Gospel of Matthew. And he is casting his nets. He's fishing. And uh, Jesus comes along the shore and said, you guys, follow me. Peter... Simon, follow me. And Simon, leaving everything behind, says, I will follow. I will follow you. So from chapter 4 to chapter 9, uh, Peter is around following Jesus. 
listening to him, uh, preparing, you know, going ahead on towns. He's going to come, this great preacher is going to come. He was gathering people around for when Jesus will arrive. You know, and you think about it, well, you know, chapter 49 is a long time. He heard many good, good teachings, many good stuff. He will, you know, it will be a good time for him to say, well, you know, Jesus, this has been good, this has been great, you know, thank you, I'm going back, you know, that's it. But he didn't. He went on. And in chapter 10, there is something very interesting to me. So in chapter 10, it is when Jesus tells the apostles to command them to go and preach the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come. Go and preach. But then he says the following. Look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. Watch out for people because they will hand you over the councils and they will beat you in the synagogues. Now, how many of us will say, yeah, take me, take me. Right? Why would I be beaten and they want to be ridiculed? I don't want to do that. But he did. He went on and pressed on and pressed on and went to do the preaching. Then in chapter 13, right before the, the passage that we, that we read, uh, he went, uh, they all went to Nazareth, and Jesus cannot perform any miracle because nobody believes in him. Everybody mocks them and said, this is he, isn't he the son of Mary? What is, what is supposed to do with this guy? He's mocked. And that time said, you know, this is too much. I don't, need, I don't need this. I can just get back home. But he didn't. He, he moved on. And now we meet him in our, in our chapter, chapter 14. So Jesus just fed 5,000 people, and he dismisses the crowds. He tells the apostles, you know, jump in the, bo- in the boat. I'll meet you in a minute. I need to go pray. So he goes on to pray. They fall asleep. And it uh, seems like the, the, the lake, the huge lake in that time, it was, you know, rocking back and forth because the wind was very strong. It was choppy. And I can only imagine, right, uh, the, how they felt. And, uh, and at that time, they see this thing coming toward them and said, oh, my goodness, it's a ghost. And they screamed, ah, right? I like that, that Matthew says, and they screamed, ah. So they're saying, they're coming to get me. And he says, no, don't be afraid, it's me. And then Peter says, if it's you, I want to walk in the water. He said, come over. Come on on. Come on down. He went down. And for a minute, for just an instant, he was walking in the water. And then he started to sink. Jesus pulls him out, taking him into the boat. And they worship him. Now, I want to stop first on the rocking of the water, okay? So, massive uh, amounts of water... In Hebrew and Jewish perspective, it's not, it's not good, all right? They are not sea people. They don't have these big ships like Greeks or Romans or Vikings. They're not that kind of people. They like inland people. They are hill people. So everyone, floods and everything come, they don't like that. They don't like big bodies of water. They think that in those large bodies of water, there is, God is not necessarily there. It's just chaos and darkness and void. Think about it in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2. 
And the Spirit of the Lord was in, upon the water. And that in, in the original language means that it was on top of a chaos and the void and the darkness. But then Jesus, I mean, sorry, God starts to put everything where it belongs, right? He brings, uh, he brings order to that chaos. Then in Exodus, Moses is taking the slaves out of Egypt. And they walk all the way to the shore of the Red Sea. And they are there, but they, they kind of move on. And, and there is Pharaoh coming and get them. What, what does, what does uh, Moses do? Touches the water and opens up the chaos. Opens up the void, the darkness, so that they can pass through. And they pass through. And then what happens? Closes in the void and the chaos and the darkness do not come upon the Jewish people, or the Hebrew people, or the Israelites, but it comes upon the Egyptians. The Pharaoh destroys them. And in Joshua, when they're just about to cross to the promised land, he does the same thing. He touches the water, the water opens, and there they go. And the last one, Revelation. I know that you have the Bible in your minds, right? So what does Revelation 21.2 says? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. In those days, God is going to get rid of all the chaos. Finally, God is going to get rid of all the water, all the, these vast, the chaos, the darkness, the void. Finally. Finally. So imagine then... Peter in that boat is rocking back and forth. The chaos is crushing down on them. The void, the darkness, the doubts, everything that is crushing down upon them. And then again, they see this ghostly thing. But then Jesus says, come on, come on down. Peter steps down. And again, imagine that chaos, the void, the darkness, the doubts, everything that he had inside of him starts to sink him. Starts to sink him. Jesus takes him back. The Peter that went down into the water is not the same Peter that went back into the boat. The Peter that came back into the boat bowed down and worshipped Jesus and said, you are the Son of God. You are the Son of God. What if I tell you that uh, God is asking us to step outside of the out of the boat, and go into the chaos. What would you say? Me, me, pick me. But that is exactly what God wants for us, what Jesus wants from us, to step outside of the boat. Now, did Peter got it right after that? No. In chapter 16, when Jesus is saying, you're not going to be handed to people, I'll be crucified, Peter says, no, don't do that. And what does Jesus said? Get behind me. Satan. Peter is called, being, called Satan. And then right before they're into Jerusalem, about to uh, the, the, the last week of our Lord in, in, on earth, uh, this woman who anoints him, Peter gets this righteous indignation. Oh, you are wasting all this perfume and oil. We can give it to the poor. Still not get it. And then in the Last Supper, Peter says, My Lord, I will, lie, I will die with you. I will never deny you. What happens? 
and added three times. But still, we call Peter great. We still think that Peter is one of those pillars of the church. For the Roman Catholic Church, he is the rock where Jesus has built the church. For us, he's a very important figure of our faith. Peter had every time to turn back, but he didn't. At every step, he could have said, you know, I'm done with this. But he didn't. Today is our closing of our sermon series regarding how we, United Methodists, understand grace. Last week, I was talking about that if we confess our sin, if we put it all in that rock, God is going to forgive us. God is going to uh, cleanse us from everything that we may have. But for us, United Methodists, that is only the beginning. And yes, we are so grateful with God that He has cleansed us, that the uh, merits of Jesus Christ are upon us, and that our names are written in the book of life. Yay! But for us, this is just the beginning. It's just the porch. We need to get into the thing. Or, put it another way, step out of our boat. We call it sanctifying grace. And basically it is that we are going to be shaped and molded by God and we're going to, all the things that are in us, God is going to strip them away. All the effects that sin has done on us, God is going to start to take them away little by little. But God cannot do that if we're still cozying our boat. It may be rocking, but if we do not step out, God cannot, we cannot come back a different person. We need to step outside. So today, I invite you, as you come for communion, to think about what is that next step that you need in your journey of faith? What is that? What does it mean for you stepping outside of the boat? It may be that you are very good with people inside the church, that you love your fam church family, man, that you cannot see or wait to see them every Sunday or every time that you are around, you hug them, ah. but you are a little bit shy or quiet with people outside of the church. It may be, maybe God is saying, you know, extend your hand to those who you may, you may not know. Maybe this is the time that you can start to do that. Maybe it's the opposite. You love the people outside. Man, you cannot wait to come on Wednesday night to the village cafe and talk to people outside of the church that you have not known or have seen in your life. And you just shake their hands and you don't know anybody. You know, it's like you haven't met a stranger. That's what I mean. But when it says to come to talk to people in the church, they say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. Or maybe you are a great prayer, and you read the Bible every single day, and you meditate upon the scripture, and you fast, and you give up things like, you know, you abstinate, like abstain, abstinence for, you know, I'm going to drink Coke, and I'm Coke-free for you, Jesus. Okay, if that works for you, that's fine. But maybe the other side of being with a stranger, clothing the naked, 
so on and so forth, it's not such, so, so, so well developed. Uh, John Wesley, the founder of the, of the Methodist movement, said that we need to have this great seal for God, this pious life. We read the Bible, pray and fast and do what we need to do to get in touch with God. But, it says, but that same energy, that same seal needs to be reflected in, on outside, on clothing the people, on giving, feeding them, so on and so forth. So what is that God needs to work on you? What does God need to scrape away, chip away? I invite you to, once again, when you come to receive communion, you can come and kneel, you can light a candle, and you can say, uh, God, I need to work on this. Or you may really don't know. But I want to know what is my next step in my journey of faith. I've been saved. I have been healed. You forgave me. Now what? What is the next step? So during this week, I invite you to step outside of that boat. It may be rocky. It may be choppy. It may be windy, dark, uncomfortable. But I know that you're not alone. And if you start to sink, God, God, Jesus is going to come and rescue you and take you to a safe place. And you're not going to be the same. You're not going to be the same. Today we conclude to celebrate lives that went before us. Let us that story continue in us.